Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Hi, I'm Heather Shea, Spiritual Director and CEO of the United Palace of Spiritual Arts in New York City, an all-inclusive spiritual artistry center celebrating the world's great wisdom traditions. Today's guests are Toltec masters and authors Don Miguel Ruiz, Jr. and Don Jose Ruiz. In this life-changing conversation, learn how to apply the wisdom from ancient Toltec stories to everyday modern life. This open-heart conversation is facilitated by myself, Rev. Dr. Jose Roman, and Rev. Arda Aitez. Welcome. You've written an amazing book. It's entitled The Wisdom of the Shamans, What the Ancient Masses Can Teach Us About Love and Life. And, um, and, the, and those teachings in that book are grounded in Toltec spirituality. Um, what one of the major themes of open heart conversations is exploring all of these wisdoms, especially at these at this time when humanity seems really at a time of search, searching. And at the same time, we have the opportunity to explore spiritualities that many of us know very much about. Toltec may be one of them, these ancient, ancient teachings. So what is Toltec spirituality to you? And what in those teachings is relevant to modern humanity? Well, like my father explained to me when I was growing up, he said, you know, son, the teachings of the Toltec that we talk about is not the teachings about 2,500 years ago. It's what the teachings of today. Today's Toltec, because the word Toltec, it means artist, artist of the spirit. <laughs> so every mind is a world. So we have like seven or eight billion uh, minds right now, worlds happening right now. But you know, if one disrespects his own world, we will begin disrespecting everybody else's world. And most of us, most of the time, we give our power away. Look what they're doing. Look what they're doing that we sacrifice our own world, our own belief system, that we don't respect our own, our own temple. So when you wake up uh, in your temple and you realize what kind of life you're living, if you're going against yourself, you know, you wake up and say, you know, I don't like this. And I like to explain to people because they say themselves like not they see a puppy. If I tell them, you see the body, they don't put attention. But when I tell them, you treat yourself like you treat a puppy because the puppy is like a puppy. If you abuse it, if you hurt it, you put poison to it, you know, it begins to shake, it begins to feel sick. And then we continue putting poison to, from the mind and that makes it depressed and makes it, you know, less than. So we're abusing the puppy. And what happens when you're going to give a puppy a treat? It wants to treat. It's scared of you, but it will get it anyways. So the moment it is to heal the puppy, to make it trust you because this is what we're here for. And that's what the totex spirituality means for me. Is that I'm this energy that comes into this vessel that is called Jose. And Jose has memories of its own. 
But the moment that I come to my, see my own world, how I'm living, and I'm honest with myself, is the moment that I don't put attention to what other people are doing because it has nothing to do with me. But what I matters what to do with me is how am I treating myself. And this is what I have awareness. And this is the point that every human will have their awareness of what they're doing because they can just project on what somebody else is dreaming because they're creating secondary character in their dream. And when we wake up in our own dream, is what uh, they say about the in, the in the Christianity world, when the angel comes to take care of heaven, or the angels come and take care of the cathedral, the body is the cathedral, and this is the body of the mother. So when we wake up, our responsibility, like for me, I know the meaning of my life, and it's to take care of Jose, because I know what makes Jose happy, and I know what makes Jose suffer. And how do I know this? Because I am Jose. I come to this point in my life that I have to be honest with myself of what serves me, what doesn't serve me. And in that moment, I come here to clean up my, my dream. And it's about gratitude because when you begin waking up, it's because your conscious begins waking up. You begin noticing responsibility of how you use the word because the word it is the creation of a story. So if our word is corrupt, full of poison, negativity, that's what our story is going to be. But the moment that we surrender and we are at service, which is for me enlightenment, enlightenment is service because the more that you're at service to your mind, the more you unlearn and let go of things that, you know, that we give power to. And we humans, we're so intelligent that we create any justification, any excuse, we debate in order to not leave our island of safety, which is a pain that we're used to. So, so would you say that an aspect of Toltec spirituality is radical self-responsibility? Yes, because our responsibility is to create our own art. Like, I cannot blame nobody else outside of me for how I'm creating my art, because I'm the one with the brush painting in my canvas, and I'm writing the story of my life. So when I wake up, and if I don't like my story, it's like saying I don't like my message. Well, I can change it. Why? Because it is my story, but if I believe all the judgments outside of me and give power to them, I will never change my story and I become a slave, a slave to myself, a slave to my old memories, when the past is already gone. And this is why one time, like a few years ago, it was saying in the, in the world that it was the last judgment is coming, and it's the end of the world. And they presented that to my father and says, Miguel, oh Miguel, it's, it's the last judgment is coming, it's the end of the world. And he said, oh, it's great, honey. And, and they said, how can you say that? Well, just say, just hear what you just said. The last judgment is coming. It's the last time that we will judge ourselves. <laughs> and the world's going to change. And when we stop judging ourselves, we begin waking up. And then we can see, like Siddhartha did, you know, people judging one another, opening their wounds and throwing the arrows. But when you realize that you're responsible for your own art, you turn them into roses, just like he did, and this is the second agreement. Do not take things personal. What is spiritual artistry? And can you share an experience? Well, one of the things about spirituality is that is when we feel inspired, when we feel motivated, not in not nobody else's way, in our own way. Because when we do it someone else's way, it's like we have devotion for somebody else's dream. And you know, when you don't have passion in your devotion, it's not devotion. But when you have faith in your devotion, because it inspires you, it wakes you up. So for me, I have devoted heart for spirituality and rock and roll music. You know, that was gives me passion. In my 20s, when I was studying my, 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 my training as a shaman, you know, uh, they told me, you cannot listen to rock and roll. You have to walk a certain path. And I go, I do? 
okay, I'll let it go, you know, because something that we, we train for is to let things go. But when I started not doing it, I felt like something was empty, something was missing in my, my life, you know, because music is what got me out of, you know, thinking negativity, of going against myself. It stopped me thinking music. So one day when I was like 17 years old, I went to India and had the honor of being in front of Saiti Sai Baba. He's an avatar master and from India. And uh, we were like all like hundreds of people sitting outside his ashram and everybody was doing bhajans, you know, singing songs. But when he came out, the energy raised because all the people got excited and they sing the bhajans even faster. You know, it was like the spiritual rock star coming out of his, you know, his temple, but he was full of love. So one day I was in Vancouver, Canada doing a presentation. And when I was finished, um, Tibet Temple Master came to me and says, I want to give you my gift. And I accepted with love. So she laid me on the floor, got like 15 Tibetan bowls, and began hitting one by one and saying, oh, oh, oh. And after 45 minutes, I was gone. I was, you know, I went into a whole blissful state. I was in my heaven. And then when it was over, and it's time to open my eyes, you know, when you have a massage, you know, you're so relaxed. And they told you your massage is over, you're opening like <laughs> slowly. And she asked me, how do you like that experience? And I responded, I loved it so much that it reminded me of an Ozzy Osbourne concert. <laughs> so when I said the word Ozzy Osbourne, she made a distorted face. And I said, I don't mean, I don't mean all this respect. Let me explain to you why. It's because one time I was in an Ozzy Osbourne concert and uh, he sang a song called Mama, I'm Coming Home. And the chorus goes, Mama, I'm coming home. So the bass line sounded like a home, like an ohm. And I was in the middle of the, of the arena, and I felt all this energy from the bottom of my feet to the top of my head. And I look around, and there were like 60,000 rock and roll fans ohming, you know, <laughs> without the awareness they were ohming. They were just living in the moment. They were having a spiritual experience. They were living their passion. And this is what I was trying to say to, to the master that when you follow your passion, you have a spiritual experience because your spirit is alive. It's like the source that you are, you know, forget all the problems, forget all the story badgering yourself, you know, that you give power to. In that moment, you have an awakening. And it's the real you. It's that coming through you. And it's one of the most beautiful things that I have, you know, to always follow our passion. That's a gift of that story that, you know, the experience that I had. Thank you. Now you're never going to see Ozzy Osbourne the same way again. <laughs> you know, the interesting part is when, 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 uh, when I decided to marry my, my wife. She was married before and I was married before. We didn't sign papers because, you know, we don't need no paper to sign because we won't need a contract because it's our word. And um, we went to an Ozzy Osbourne concert and I got two rings there. I bought two rings in the Ozzy Osbourne concert that says Om Namah Shivaya. You know, and you know, so I got them, it picked us both. So, you know, in the middle of the concert, we placed it in our fingers. And when we went backstage, we met Ozzy Osbourne. And when Ozzy saw my, my, my wife, she saw her in her face and she like went straight and gave her a kiss on the lips. And she went, oh, like that, you know, because of the bad story. <laughs> But uh, I was like, yeah, 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 I see your proof. <laughs> so yeah, I just love the connections of, of awakening. 
who and what a shaman is in Toltec spirituality. Yes, in Toltec spirituality, which I say my own, the word shaman doesn't have to be with men or women. That is just the life force of the mother. It has to be with that we are an open channel. Like the word shaman is the magic of the channel opening. So when you get out of the way, you begin being the source. So my grandmother was a big healer. Um, that was her tradition. She put her faith into the Christ energy and the Toltec energy and mix them together. But she always said that I'm the instrument of the doctors of doctors. And because she knew she was a service. And the more that she served, the more that she, you know, delivered goodness and let people have the freedom is because she was mirroring them. So in the Toltec Chaman, you become a clean mirror. You get out of your own awareness, I mean, out of your own story or your own knowledge, and you begin to listen to somebody else's. So this is the challenge of shape-shifting. How are you going to let what you know and begin listening to somebody else? Because if not, we're going to impose them. We're going to be the same as the Inquisition, imposing our faith. No, we listen to how somebody, somebody dreams, and then we let our way of delivery behind, and we tell it in the way that they, we, they can listen. It's like when we, Michael, were, were kids, you know, we were born into the Toltec tradition. We had we didn't want nothing to do with it because we wanted to be cool in the school, you know, the modern <laughs> life. So one day my father said to me, you know, to Michael, we were playing Nintendo and he's trying to teach us about Toltec work. <laughs> and then we don't put attention until he says, you know, Toltec work is just like Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> then we begin putting the, the control down. What do you mean? <laughs> to first master the game is like the dream. But first, before you master the dream or the game, you have to master what the toy does. Mm -hmm. So what is your full potential? What can you can do? So and you, so you in Toltec spirituality, you're, you're, there's a perspective that we are actually all in a dream. Yes, correct. We're all dreaming. Every mind is dreaming. And this is why sometimes we think that our parents know us or our beloved know us, but they do not know us, that we know ourselves. And this is one of the beautiful things, to have respect for everybody else's dream. And this is what's happening in the traditions, you know, in the world. That's why all the cultures go against each other, because there's no respect, because there's blind faith. But when there's real faith, one can see the divinity in everybody. Because what we're really tackling in this world is the addiction of suffering. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the world is wounded. The addiction of suffering. Yes. And this is why, you know, when we're born, we get domesticated, we get reward and punishment. Then we're like the puppy, afraid to get treated. But we will do it anyways, that we will sacrifice our own dream. In, in this world, the world doesn't know how to love. It's I love you if. And if you don't do what, what other people will do, you're not get accepted. So we want to be validated. And to be validated, we wear a mask. And then the mask will possess us. But the moment that you take off the mask, it's because you have self-respect for yourself. And then you say, thank you for everything. The good moments, the bad moments, but I don't need you anymore. What lies behind the mask? Well, it is all the sacrifice that one makes to be perfect. Let's say if I, I was in an abusive relationship and but I was it, part of it. But if I take off the mask, yes. what do I see? Well, when you take off the mask, it's the real you. Like even for me, Jose is a mask, you know? And, I'm, and my personality changed to whoever I am with. But reality, when I wake up, it's just like itself. That's why I begin respecting life. And I can be in front of uh, the plants, from the ocean, the forest of nature. And the nature can communicate to one. And this is something our shamanism, we wake up when we begin to wake up to ourselves. Because nature is always seeing. 
But the beautiful thing it is when you begin respecting nature and you cannot respect the outside dream until you respect yourself because that way you're no longer conquering or putting somebody down, but you're respecting their way of dream. And this is what the elders live. They respect all of our decisions. And beautiful part is when you completely clean your consciousness. What is the price one is gonna pay for debating? What is the price? And this is the blind faith because our true nature doesn't need to be defended. It just shines and it's just presence. And when we open our heart, this is the golden time. Life is a vacation. And when you take off the mask, you don't need to pretend to anybody. You don't have to pretend to anybody, you're just honest. And when you live with honesty, you live with the truth. And your own lies will not eat you alive because now you have the antidote for our own, you know, poison. So you just uh, partially defined Nagua. Would you like to speak on that term a little bit? I'm, does the audience, so the audience will fully understand, in your biography, um, we mentioned that you were a Nagual. So if you could speak to that. Sure. In our family tradition, the word Nagual has three definitions. Obviously, the first one would be a spiritual teacher. Second one would be a spiritual guide. It's the one that someone gets to know as the and someone who introduces the tradition to someone, the guide that will show you the path to yourself. But the third, and the one I use, the one I believe in, the one we use most, can be described as the energy that animates this body. And I like using physics to explain that. A concept of physics is, in order for an object to move, there needs to be a force that moves that object. If I use Nahuatl, tonal means matter, this up. In order for the tonal to move, there needs to be a Nahuatl that moves. That energy, we may know it as spirit, we might know it as soul, you might know it as intent, you might know it as life, you might know it as God. Whatever your tradition says it is, in our tradition we know it as the Nahuatl. The Nahuatl is the force that animates this body. You see, I'm not this body. This body, I don't take it with me after my last breath, after my last heartbeat. My Uncle Duke taught me that lesson, my Grandma Sarita, my Grandma Aurelita Leonarda. People in my life, my mom, Gaia recently, taught me the lesson. Because when I kissed them, after they left their body, they were no longer there. I could no longer feel them. So this body, I'm not this body but I am the force that, that animates it. I am the whole. So you can say that there is a story in the old Mexican traditions of the Nahuatl being a shapeshifter, a man or a woman that is able to shapeshift and to different animals. And you know, that's a uh, mythology, that's an analogy, a metaphor to describe someone who, like Jose was talking about, we create a mask or someone creates a mask for us. From the four agreements all the way down to all our books in different ways and different facets, we all deal with the problem of domestication, which is a system of reward and punishment by which we model the behavior of an individual. If you live up to the expectation, you're worthy of love. And if you fall short of that expectation, you're worthy of the punishment. And since we are emotional beings that experience the full spectrum of all our emotions, that reward feels like acceptance, which feels like love. And the punishment feels like rejection. It's the way we've learned conditional love. Or you can use the other word, 
condition, the conditioning of an individual based on the model of a masculine identity. In order to be worthy of love, you have to be perfect. For example, if I call myself Don Miguel Ruiz Jr., I don't take things personally. I don't make assumptions. I always do my best. I, uh, thank you so much. <laughs> thank God for reading. And that diatribe of judgment kicks in, judging me for not living up to that image of Don Miguel Ruiz Jr., who always is impeccable with this word. Thank you very much. Doesn't make assumptions doesn't take things personally, and always does his best. And if I live up to all four agreements, then I'm worthy of love. But if I forget the fifth agreement, oh no, Jose, I'm so sorry. <laughs> and the diatribe kicks in because I'm punishing myself for not living up to that image of what Don Miguel Ruiz Jr. is supposed to be. I grabbed an image, an identity that is called Don Miguel Ruiz Jr. that's been projected onto me, and I believed it. And now I'm using that model to domesticate myself with, to condition myself with. Ego is easier to understand as a function rather than a concept, and the function of ego is to keep that illusion alive. So we domesticate ourselves with this belief. If I'm not this body, I'm also not this mind. This mind exists because I give it life. And at the root of every belief I have, there's a yes that gives it power. That three-letter word represents the moment where I make the choice to use the energy that animates this body to move my legs, to move my arms. That's the same energy I use to create a, a single thought. So my belief, my identity, is created by agreement, which reflects the action of saying yes. So I develop this mass by which I domesticate myself and I subjugate myself with. And the point of all this work is to slowly unlearn all this, to heal the wounds to the point where I'm slowly take this off. And when I take it off, it's not necessarily about what I see, it's about what I experience. Okay. I experience I, life. From that point of view, I'm a shapeshifter. Because as I take off the mask of self, and I get to experience myself through the experience of being me, rather than looking for an identity with a definition in order to understand who I am, I see me. Why am I a shapeshifter? Because I'm still in relationship with people in my life. I'm still in communion. Imagine with my wife, my daughter, and my mom. My mom sees me as her boy. My daughter sees me as her papa. And my wife sees me as her lovey. Yet all of them see it in their own unique way. Yet they all see me differently. And they're going to domesticate me to that point of view. For example, my daughter. Last year I shaved my head, or at least I got it really close, really short. I came home, and my daughter, Audrey, goes up to me and says, Papa, no. No, 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 no. And the thing about it is that, you know, she's new to domestication. You know, my, my mom and my, my wife are a lot more uh, sly about it. <laughs> but she is trying to, domestic, to domesticate me to the, her image of herself. And, you know, earlier this summer, 
my mom caught me and she tried to domesticate me again. She got so mad at me, so mad at me for washing the dishes and doing the laundry because I didn't love to up to whatever image she thought. And she's like, my mijo. And I'm like, mama, no, I don't want to be that man. I don't want to be that guy. And I said in Spanish, no soy inútil. I'm not useless. I am part of this community. I am a member of this marriage and I will help my wife because my daughter is 11. My son is 13 with autism and it's all hands on deck. Mm. We are a team. And my wife sees me as her lovey. She sees me as her lover. She sees me as her partner. And she sees me as the guy she either agrees with or disagrees with. One of my favorite things she loves to say to me is, Miguel, you're my husband, not my teacher. <laughs> Love that. But here's the thing. All three will project a mask onto me. My temptation is to believe each projection. So from that point of view, I'm aware that in their eyes, I'm someone different. Yet I can give in to the temptation and let their projection of me dictate who I am or simply respect them, this is their perception of me. This is how they dream. And, and if you respect that, if you respect the projections that your family, then what is your role within that dynamic? Is it to then live up to the projection? Is it to be authentic to who you are? What is your role once you wake up to the reality that you're in this play, in this little dream sure. that you're all creating. Sure. Like Jose says, it's about service. Ah. And what is it about service? We're in the community. How do I co-create with the people in my life? Right. It's the difference between I have to and I want to. In I have to, you can already hear domestication all over it. I have to live up to that image. I have to live up to the expectation. I have to be the good husband, or I have to be that kind of husband that Mexican tradition says, that macho that drinks tequila and goes, <laughs> the one that my mom was projecting onto me with that judgment. I renounced that. Yeah, my, I renounced my partner that. projects that onto me every now and then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that's the thing is that from my I want to is because I want to contribute to this community and it's going to be evolving. So you enter into the play awake, mm -hmm. but you're still a part of the play. Because I don't live isolated in a, in a hill. I don't live isolated in the world. I am part of a community and how do I choose to engage? And that's, that's the beauty of it. I'm Irvin Heather Shea and we'll be back in a minute with more from our very special guests Don Miguel Ruiz Jr. and Don Jose Ruiz on Open Heart Conversations from the United Palace of Spiritual Arts. Please stay tuned. All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Unity Online Radio is bringing the message of unity to thousands of spiritual seekers around the world. If you enjoy our programming, we invite you to support it by visiting unityonlineradio.org and clicking on Donate Now. Help us continue to provide inspiring content to everyone. 
Thank you for your support. Here's a Unity Teachable Moment with Rev. Ogan Holder, taken from a talk at Unity on the River in Amesbury, Massachusetts. Vulnerability is very uncomfortable, but as we know from so many teachings by so many people and from our own experience, the only way we will ever experience true connection is to be vulnerable, to be open, and to say, but what we say to ourselves, but when we're vulnerable, we risk being hurt. Well, you only risk being hurt Again, if you don't get a full understanding of how love works, nothing and no one can hurt you. Nothing and no one is against you. And everything that happens in your life, as I always say, and I will always say, so if I keep saying it and you keep hearing it and you get tired of me hearing it, I apologize, but everything happens in our life as an opportunity for us to show up as God. To find a Unity Church near you, visit unity.org. Take Unity Magazine with you wherever you go with the new Unity Magazine Digital Edition, available now for Android, iOS, and Kindle. It has a gorgeous new look and functionality that makes it easy to share inspirational articles. Sign up for email notifications for the latest issues, articles by your favorite authors, and topics you care about. Unity Magazine's Digital Edition is free with your print subscription, so download the app today or go to unitymagazine.org slash subscribe to find out more. Ready to roll the dice? Check out the new Intention Dice from Unity. Five dice, different colors, each with words that can prompt you to set an intention for the day, create an affirmation, or journal your thoughts. Roll the green die for abundance and see what comes up. Enriched, worthy, generous. Blue for health. Energetic, whole, radiant. Five dice, limitless possibilities for your life. Find them at unity.org dice. Enroll in the Mystery School with Maggie Whitehouse every Monday at 2 p.m. Central. Based in the U.K., Maggie is a maverick priest, comedian, and writer that'll introduce you to all things mystical. Join in the conversation with some fascinating guests and explore topics like Kabbalah, the divine feminine, shamanism, and a lot more. Explore some new ideas and provocative topics, all delivered with a sense of humor. Check out our online schedule or get the podcast on demand here on unityonlineradio.org. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Welcome back to Open Heart Conversations from the United Palace of Spiritual Arts. I'm Reverend Heather Shea with our special guests, Don Miguel Ruiz Jr. and Don Jose Ruiz. What happens when you fall into that story and you're cognizant of it but, and you want to extract yourself but you don't know how? Well, how do we extract it, ourselves? Well, first it's awareness, a moment of clarity. A moment of clarity without any action is just a thought that passes in the wind. A moment of clarity followed by action becomes a pivotal moment in our life. A moment of clarity is that moment where we become aware of how we've used our own intent to go against us, that we have allowed certain social conditions and social social norms to interfere in my relationship and dictate the agreements. The agreements we make, and mind you, the word agreement is just simply the action of saying yes. <laughs> we co-create together something beautiful. 
Now, we are into this world that tries to domesticate what a man should be or what a woman should be. And the truth of the matter is, the definition continuously changes. It changes continuously, continuously. Let me use this example, for example. The expression, I live in a red state. In the 1950s, that meant that you lived in a socialist, communist state, and fighting words, depending who you say that to as well. Mm -hmm. Fast forward to 2018, I live in a red state means that you live in a state that's conservative Republican, the complete opposite. And fighting words, depending on who you say it to as well, of course. <laughs> Here's the thing. The phrase remained the same, but society has changed so much that the significance, the meaning of it changed. Absolutely. Like the word red wave or blue wave meant something completely different in the 1950s, even a hundred years ago. Mm -hmm. It continuously changes. So the definition of love changes. The definition of beauty changes. Even the definition of man is. What I've come to understand of what a man is or what a woman is, like in, in order to, if you try to understand and put a general definition onto an individual, you're going, it's kind of like a dog that chases his tail over and over. It's about getting to know the person that's in front of you, who happens to be a man, who happens to be a woman, to understand that. But here's the thing. In my evolution with my own self, in my own process, in my own journey, there was the guy who really believed that Mexican-American image. And that guy who believed the Mexican image, that Mexican-American image, suffered a lot. Because there's a lot of suffering that required it. And I chose not to impact. And then I became aware that the majority of the fights that I had with my beloved, and, and I'm talking about my ex-girlfriends here, and to a certain degree my wife at the very beginning of it all, is I was fighting my parents' fight. And if you can already hear my mom judging me for washing the dishes or doing the laundry, you can only imagine what's interfering. So my question to myself is, am I going to allow preset conditioning, that mask that we've learned to impact my relationship, especially when I'm in love? Because if it is, then my relationship with my beloved is an illusion. But if I'm willing to see the person that's in front of me, to let go of that image of her. In order for me to even do that, I begin to let go of my own image. Who am I? And like your question was, when I take off the mask, what do I see? Well, it is what I experience. And once I'm able to do that, I can see it from her point of view. Take off the mask of love, your wife, and it's Susan. A woman who's doing the very best with what she's got. Mm -hmm. Same thing when I became a parent, I became aware of the one big secret people don't tell a kid. We parents have no idea what we're doing. We're doing the best with what we've got. And every birthday makes what we know about parenting irrelevant. They turn two, they turn four, they turn 10, they turn 13, they turn 30. Then I realized my parents have been playing it by ear for 30 years at that point. <laughs> so I went up to my dad and my mom and I said, I'm sorry. I thought you knew what you were doing. <laughs> but it's a moment where that mask of father and mother comes off and I see their humanity. And that's really it. I see their humanity. They're doing the best with what we've got. So if I take that mask with my wife or my daughter or my son, I'm going to miss out on who they are. So what Jose talks about is to, un to unlearn. Right. is to basically take off all those conditions that says I'm supposed to be and I get to see who I am. One of the, um, 
one of the recurring themes that I hear as we as we explore Toltec spirituality is the, the, the recurring theme of dreaming and being awake. What is the place of shamanic dreaming in Toltec spirituality? Well, in shamanic dreaming is that you have your open channel and you're a service and you cannot give what you don't have. So you begin giving it to you. And when you give it to you, you begin waking up your consciousness. So like Abraham Lincoln says, if I do good, I feel good. If I do bad, I feel bad. That's my religion, common sense. So when you wake up and if you're a dream, you're doing negative stuff, you will feel negative. But when you begin doing positive stuff, you begin cleaning your space. You know, like my beloved says, she's an artist. So she said, I cannot create unless my space is clean because then I feel my inspiration because I respect my temple. And when you begin respecting your temple, you know, you know that you are dreaming. And when you wake up in your dream, you know, there's no more sacrificing. You're loyal. Who are you loyal to? To the love of your life. And when we wake up in our dream, we marry. Some say we marry God, we marry life, but we marry ourselves. And this is something that I learned because I didn't honor myself in that, that abusive relationship that I took part in because it was also my part because I wasn't happy. But when we both left that relationship, I got a beautiful awareness that no one has the right to disrespect me. No one has the right to scream at me. And I don't have the right to scream at anybody, disrespect anybody, because now I'm being loyal to the love of my life. So I wake up in my dream. And this is what I say, when you wake up, you cannot go back to sleep because you are aware of your consciousness. And, you know, I take the part of the Egyptian tradition when they say, in order to enter heaven, your heart must be light as a feather. If your heart is not light as a feather, you may never enter heaven. And, of course, they're talking about their consciousness. Right. And, and when you begin to open the third eye, that's what all the traditions talk about. And so in shamanic dreaming, it's about waking up, ironically. Yes, and, uh, and now it's like working on the garden. And you know, when you have a garden, you have to work on it every day, because if not, you know, the, the, the little insects will come and eat your tomatoes or something will come. You have constantly working on the thing. And then our mind is a garden. And this is why many people throw negativity at us, but we have to clean our, have nothing to do with us. And we begin having respect for ourselves mm. and not give our power and away. And especially do not take in personally things because that is how we hurt ourselves. But when we really awake in our dream, we begin respecting ourselves because that's the highest tool of dreaming, respect. Not only for yourself, but for everybody art. So if we see some people living certain way and we begin judging them, you know, we're disrespecting our art. You know why? Because we're mirroring that negativity to ourselves. We're inviting that to our space. And this is what I really love about some shamans that they paint their heart out of their chest mm -hmm. and they're walking in life. It's because they're not afraid that no one's going to break their heart because they're loyal to themselves. And if they're loyal to themselves, they take care of themselves. And when I figured this out in the shamanic dreaming, I figured it out that I always pray to the angel outside like a victim, wanting to do any work. But when I begin doing my own work, I heard my own prayers because I can tell what's good for me, what's not good for me. And I can feel my emotional body saying, Jose, please help me. And that's the body of the mother. And you know the painting of Guadalupe? The Virgin yes. of Guadalupe, yes. for me, that body represents my body. Her body represents my body. The little angel holding her under a moon plate, that represents my mind and my intent, where I got strength in my word, where I find my word being with power to not corrupt my story, not corrupt my story or not take anything outside to hurt my story because it will hurt mother. So in that moment, I begin the service of taking care of my garden, my temple, my mother, that is me. But you know, all of us have the own way that we dream. 
all of us have power to what we give power to. So that's why I love how you and I'm presenting, all of you guys are presenting this beautiful uh, work right here because it's all religious coming into one. Because we all are tackling the same thing, the addiction of suffering, the smoke that we don't see each other clearly because of the big comp competition, putting something down. No, we have to respect one another's dream. And when we do that, it's like looking into the mirror and respecting ourselves. Because sometimes we look into the mirror, like I repeat the puppy, and that puppy has always been loyal to us. But have we been loyal to the puppy? And if we haven't, that is when our consciousness wake up, and this is when our service begins in dreaming. How, how does one heal, or how does one even relate to when, when the parents aren't together anymore, but there's children or a child involved? How can one heal within oneself to, to support that? Well, my par our parents divorced when we were eight. And they got remarried, and then they divorced again. <laughs> and then we got married, and they stayed like that. They, 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 when my dad became successful, my dad remarried my, my mom because, you know, they, they were helping each other. But they remarried as friends, which turns out to be the best. They didn't uh, love each other romantically. They were able to uh, find that bridge. So when I introduced my wife to my family, my, it was my dad in the center, my mom to the left, my mama Gaia, my stepmom to the right, and my mom and mama Gaia had already divorced and with my dad, so my dad's girlfriend was next to mama Gaia. <laughs> they taught us how to stay friends, the willingness to engage. First, to how to raise a child. Well, my, when, my father, when my son was born, my dad told us, you, you, you guys brought in a beautiful child, now domesticate him. I'm like, what? The author of the four agreements is asking me to domesticate his grandson. And he says, figure it out. Because here's the thing. If you don't domesticate him, someone else will. And you're not going to like it. So here I am trying my very best to figure out how to raise a child without domestication. And my answer is, it's impossible. The reason why it's impossible, because we've corrupt it, domestication the way we know it, is the corruption of how life teaches us. Life teaches us through action-reaction. For every action we take, there's a consequence. So just briefly, imagine this is your home. This is a beautiful home, by the way. <laughs> and you have electricity. The consequence of paying your electric bill is that you're going to get electricity. Neither good nor bad nor right or wrong. It's just a consequence. If you don't pay the electric bill, then the consequence is you're not going to get electricity. Neither good nor bad nor right or wrong. It's just a consequence. Sometimes you only have money for either food or electricity, so you choose food. But if you want to be able to afford both, you're gonna have to come up with a way to afford both. Neither good nor bad nor right or wrong. Domestication corrupts that. If you pay the electric bill, then you're a stand-up person. You're someone of stature in this person, and I'm gonna lend you money. But I, you're good in my eye. But if you don't pay the electric bill, you're a bum. You're irresponsible, and there's no way I'm going to lend you money. There's solely that, that, the distortion, if you see the difference between the two, they may look the same, but there's the difference, the motivator. So you can say from that point of view, if you don't have the money, you have to make the choice, and that's fine. In this one, 
You don't have the money, but you don't want to look like a bum. You don't want to keep up with the Joneses. You're going to use your credit card and pay that bill. And now you owe money to your credit card. You owe money to the food. You owe money to electricity. And you don't have money for either one. And your debt goes deeper, deeper, deeper. All because we're trying to live up to an image that doesn't exist. When we're able to recognize that in ourselves, we're able to raise a child with action-reaction teach them the consequences of their decisions and respect them to experience the consequences of their choices. Sometimes as parents, we want to go in there and rescue. But in reality, the way we teach a child is to teach them how to survive in the world without us. Yes, before the age of 10, it's about teaching them, keeping them survive, keeping them alive. We create a bubble. But it's our responsibility to burst that bubble because if we don't burst it, they're not going to be ready. Otherwise, we're going to be walking around with campus for them and taking the notes around <laughs> university and even working with the job and letting them, and we're never going to let them grow. We give them the experience by trusting themselves and teaching them that failure is nothing, there's nothing wrong with failures to learn from it. I can't give what I do not have, which means it comes first with me. Yes, we sometimes come from broken homes, and I have dear friends who have taught us the magnificence of that balance of still being friends and co-parenting with your exes. I'm looking at them right now. You guys are wonderful teachers about that. Thank you. Once again, what's the motivator? Our love for our children. Our love. Yes, this person... We don't love them romantically anymore. But with this person, we brought in a child. Now, here's the thing. Any fool can bring a child into the world. What makes us a parent is the willingness to engage that child. The willingness to go through the whole journey. And trust me, puberty... <laughs> oh, my... <laughs> I had to go and apologize to my parents about that. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's a game changer. And we're going to get through this. And love is the thing that gets us through this. It's going to be different for all of us. There is not one formula except the willingness to heal. Because if there's anything I've learned in this whole journey is that we heal with our own permission. That's the truth. If I don't give myself permission, I'm never going to learn my lesson. I'm never going to learn. I'm never going to learn to stand up. I'm never going to heal my wounds with my axes. And luckily for me, I've been able to give the opportunity to heal some of those wounds. And the better person who benefits this is my wife, because that wound is no longer infecting the relationship I have with her. Sometimes we don't have that luxury. Sometimes... The relationship ends. But we're still, we're still parents. And that willingness to engage our partner in a different way is what's going to bring that harmony. Because we were born, and I have to tell you this, I love my mom very much. But I also love my, my stepmom, my, my, my mama Gaia, with all my heart. And when she passed away, I cried. In a way, I hadn't cried in a long time because I lost my mom. And who else cried? My mom, too, because my mom, Mama Coco, became really good friends with my mama Gaia. And when my dad had his heart attack, 
they both sat in the, uh, in the hospital holding hands and helping each other. Like I said before, when I ask a couple, do you guys want to stay together? Sometimes both of them saying no is the thing that saves the relationship. this moment, I invite you to place your hands just like this and close your eyes and begin to feel the space between your hands. Feel the energy as the flight of the condor and the flight of the eagle merge and you can feel it true you can truly feel what you really are you are energy you're the source of life that entered this body a temple the body of the mother part of earth and feel that connection as you place your hands together and you make a union which is a marriage which is an agreement of love and you spread your wings and the two birds hug each other Awake inside of a dream, we begin to dream aware, and once we wake up, we can no longer go back to sleep. So, with this energy, we place it in our words because the word is just like our body, we put the energy inside of them. And that's our seeds. Now imagine walking in life, spreading all those seeds, just like prayers. Forgiving the past, freeing yourself in the present. The future is not written, but it's an open journey for you to walk and spread the seeds that come from your heart like art from the heart and imagine spreading those seeds of love to everybody you meet aware or unaware brothers and sisters your presence is the truth presence you can uncorrupt any story by not giving it power and freeing yourself in this moment listen to flutes like it's life 
ushering you in a magic carpet ride. And you're just being present. Getting inspired for whatever you feel. Whatever you think of. Because your mind's a temple. A room in the middle of the universe. Where dreams are born. And imagine now waking up. Mastering love. Mastering your dream and complete being loyal, completely being loyal, completely being loyal to the love of your life, that you will not judge yourself any longer, that you say, I'm perfect just the way I am, with the mistakes that I have done, the mistakes that I do. And the mistakes that I will do. Because that's how I learn to wake up, to serve the love of my life. You are sacred. Your temple is sacred. And it deserves your honesty, your truth. And when you find it, you're like the rattlesnake shedding its skin letting the old dream go to the new dream may be born and yes the rattlesnake learns how to control its poison because no matter what awareness we have we still have poison within us but the difference is different than we were young now we're mature and we control our poison we control because we have power of the word, because we respect the word. Now I invite you to place those hands into your heart and make an agreement of love. So grateful that you have a walk that you have found your flame and you will light up any darkness that comes to you because you are heaven and heaven doesn't need heaven when it heaven it is hell and wherever we go in this dream we will take heaven with us sharing our love sharing our masterpiece of art our unconditional love and in love there are no conditions manipulated love creates wounds manipulated love creates wounds unconditional love heals the wounds you are the love of your life in this moment as the music as your witness say your bows you're marrying the love of your life as you're marrying yourself
Now open your eyes and see with the eyes of today. The past is gone. You planted your own seed. You have an intent that you put words in. You have your intent that you put words in. Have faith in you. Not in the outside dream, but faith in you. Because you can wake up from any dream that you want. This is the purpose of a dream master. And you are a dream master. To make your life a masterpiece of art. You master love. You master yourself. You find your truth. And you set yourself free. Ometeo. You've been listening to Open Heart Conversations, exclusive dialogues and musical interludes with teachers and performers from spiritual traditions around the world, recorded at the United Palace of Spiritual Arts in New York City. To find out what's happening at the United Palace or to attend an event, please visit unitedpalace.org. Open your heart, expand your mind, change the world, and join us next month. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry, where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org.